The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. This is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Dayton is our number one priority. You know that. And as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. Dayton's all news and talk is 1290-957-WHIO. There is a season. Welcome to another edition of There is a Season, the geezer and whippersnapper hour, and the only show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thanks for joining us. Gloria would like a better cup of coffee, though, wouldn't she? Uh, like a cup of coffee, well, and then a better cup of coffee. Well, those are two different things. So today it, you got a cup of coffee. Expired. Or what sometimes can double as motor oil. There you go. Anyway, if you'd like to weigh in uh, on what you hear today, besides the coffee chatter, you can write to us anytime. How would they do that, Gloria? Just use the handy InTouch tab on our website, thereisaseasonshow.com, or by sending us an email to Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. And she's going to soldier on here, even with poor coffee, or no coffee. She's promised me. It's no coffee for me today. I'm going to sip whatever this stuff is over here. You can have mine. I'll slide it over. It's black, and it's... (laughs) It's got the medication in it, you know, the caffeine. Mm. Anyway, uh, here we are on the doorstep of another election. Though for millions, the election has already occurred with early voting. You voted already, didn't you? I did. I went in person and voted very early on. And, and uh, it was crowded. It was crowded. And, uh, and it was also quite the experience in that uh, people's opinions were being shared not really appropriately, so there was reason to have a little bit of control in the hallways. So we weren't talking about like officially being shared. This is this wasn't like campaign people out there passing no. out literature and so forth. This was other citizens demonstrating their First Amendment rights. That's right. That's right. I, um, I have to say it. You know, it went fairly well once I was through the door into the official voting room. Well, it's, it's remarkable this year. The early voting uh, numbers have, have shattered records. There are already now well many more um, uh, people who have voted than voted for either one of the candidates last time. So 72 million. It's, it's staggering. They, they estimate it's going to easily eclipse 100 million and very possibly 120 million. So these are unprecedented levels. Uh, a lot of people really, I think, reacting still to COVID numbers. And wanting to be safe, perhaps other people are a little concerned about. I think people you know, are concerned about the safety at the election uh, <clears throat> polls. I'm not saying that they won't be safe. I'm sure they will, but I think people do. You know, they're concerned about riffraff for anything going on. So, for a lot of people, uh, this may be moot to consider some of what we'll share today, but maybe not. I don't know, Bob. Uh, did you see the headline about one of the top searches on Google this week? What was that? So people were asking if they can change their vote. So people are having second thoughts. I personally don't know in what direction, right? Right. But they're asking, hey, am I allowed to change my vote? Because I think I might be changing my mind. And for for you, you know, you could change that entire box of votes that you hauled out of your car. (laughs) Very funny. Hey, don't start rumors. (laughs) I think some states or locals or locales allow it. 
you know, not the boxes of votes, of course, but possibly changing your vote. Now, don't quote me on that. You need to Google I, that. I think I heard that, too, which I, I think a lot of people will find, you know, odd. But um, there there has been a huge uh, number of people who have sought to do that. And, and again, who knows why? I mean, the polls are saying one thing, and then you're seeing pictures on TV of these massive rallies, and then you're hearing stuff like this about people wanting to change their vote. You can't all assume they're voting for Trump or against Trump. You know, who knows, right? Right. Who knows? You can't really overstate the situation we're facing. This is a very charged election. Uh, but before sharing some input um, that we found here that sort of summed up the situation, um, we can share with you that for so much of this past year, even back to the whole impeachment thing, way back before COVID-19, it seems like years ago now, this election and most of the national conversation has been about Donald J. Trump. I can't say I disagree with that, but maybe it's a chicken egg thing. He certainly creates a show, per se. You know, he, yeah, under I mean, he understands the media and the self-promotion better than P.T. Barnum. That's Barnum and Bailey, for those of you who don't know. The, yeah, the circus. Right, right, the circus, so no pun intended. And who needs promotion? Right? Who needs clicks? Eyeballs and ears and chatter? Well, the press. The media needs all that, and they're getting it. The mainstream media, social media giants, and all of us who use them have had the larger-than-life character of Donald Trump, uh, Trump <laughs> front and center for a long time. Yeah, don't call him Donald Trump. You're Frump. You'll end up getting a, a tweet thrown at you. You know, from some, him. Some, yes, he'll he'll find out about it somehow. You know, and then you'll get. Tweeted I think he has bigger concerns. At two thirty in the morning. <laughs> well, it it makes us think really that this is an election about Trump, for or against Trump, and about what will happen if he wins or loses. The fact that there's another guy in the race uh, seems almost incidental. That's strange to say for someone purportedly leading in the polls. But a great many people probably couldn't tell you four or five things Joe Biden would do or that he cares about or even in some cases that he's accomplished in his nearly 50 years in office. Would you agree with that? I would. And it's not that maybe he doesn't care about them, but he's certainly not really in depth talking about them and what exactly that means. Right. You wouldn't know. No. So that's not to say that there's no agenda for the Democrats. We're just not sure you have would have heard it from their actual candidate, maybe somebody out there that's helping him. I won't name names, right? Mm -hmm. In any event, we over the years have sometimes drawn on articles from National Review Magazine, and this season, they've got a number of articles all about Donald J. Trump. Yes, they do, and uh, and they're not the only ones, obviously. There's thousands and thousands of words written, you know, articles of every stripe, and all kinds of media outlets, but National Review decided to try a Trump yes, Trump no, or Trump maybe approach uh, to uh, discussing his candidacy again. And one of these more or less summed up uh, a lot of the, the feelings I was having, and I think a lot of people could identify with over the last four years. Uh, they may not match yours. You know, you might disagree with a lot of this, but I was going to share some of these. Um, uh, this is from Andrew McCarthy. You might have seen, I, I believe he was a district attorney uh, in the New York area. He's had a, a pretty long career and uh, he is now um, doing writing and so forth. You see, he pops up on Fox News once in a while. And right. he, he wrote this article uh, discussing his, his whole uh, approach to this. And he starts really discussing the personal aspects of both of these gentlemen, right? Trump right. and Biden. And what's the big claim that a lot of people make? Well, many will proclaim Trump is unfit. 
you know, the consuming narcissism, nonstop dissembling, infantile outburst, inability to admit his error, withering attacks on well-meaning officials he entices into working for him, and on and on and on, right? Yeah, and, and, and I think, I, I don't know about you, but I, I have felt at times that I want to forgive him this or that thing, but I wince when it happens. I'm kind of like, was that necessary? Did he have to... Did he have to single this person out? Did right. he have to send but, that tweet? I mean, yeah, sometimes he just opens his mouth and he really doesn't hold back. He says whatever he's thinking. So to me, what I would say is whether or not I agree with all of his principles, he doesn't seem sometimes, sometimes as presidential, Yeah, you know. Well, he, yeah, and he'll go. But he is a good leader. No, there's, I'll a lot, say. there's been a lot said, certainly after his his bout with uh, the coronavirus, about his stamina. Remarkable stamina, it would seem, for a man of his age, of any age, right? And um, how he feels better than ever after having COVID. Of course, of course. And that he, was kind of an odd comment to make. He feels super, superman. I mean, you know, you expect him almost <laughs> to rip his jacket and his shirt apart sometime when he's doing these rallies. Right, right. Uh, but, but, I mean, the joke even before he was sick or before any of this was that, you know, I always envisioned there at the White House and like Melania's in bed saying, Donald, give it up. Would you just come to bed? And he's over there tweeting somebody at 2.30 in the morning. Uh, rumor has <laughs> it he doesn't get a lot of sleep. You know, he's... I have to give him credit for his age. He's got the energy of a, yeah, I yeah, don't know, so working mule. He's so so. People will say he's thin-skinned, uh, that he cannot distinguish between his own interests and the vital interests of the nation. Uh, his social <laughs> media posts uh, are, you know, according to McCarthy here, more befitting uh, Don from Queens on his fourth beer in the saloon than the leader of the free world. Uh, that he's degraded the office by mm -hmm. this tone, that he's undermined yeah. the rule of law. Right. I don't know if, uh, you know, you can agree with everything that's written there, but people who know Trump a long time, and that would be most of the East Coast establishment in and around the New York and the Washington area, um, some people have always liked it, that he's kind of in your face, and other people are tired of the shtick. They don't want any more of that embarrassment or he's so coarse, right? They're kind of sick of that. Um and so, the, so he's sort of taking the task here that Trump is this bull in the china shop kind of unprincipled. Yeah, know? and I think it depends on what kind of personality each of us have. You know what I mean? Some of us like the interface, the just say it like it is. We could go on here, as some have indeed gone on in this vein for four years running, right? Mm -hmm. Yet this argument has always missed the point. The most compelling case for Trump has never really been Trump. It has always been and remains Trump as opposed to what else? Right. Right? That's what I mean. You know, this is an election it, for or against him. Right. A presidential election is not the occasion for a personal endorsement. It is a choice. Donald Trump is, some say, a deeply flawed man. We all get that. I've never gotten it, so says McCarthy. Trump was not my choice to be president, so says McCarthy. He mm -hmm. was the choice on offer when my preferred candidates were no longer in the running. And at that point, there were only two left. And that, he says, was Trump and Clinton. And, and honestly, back when all these things were going, I remember this back in uh, 2015, 2016. At first, I didn't take to it either. I think I had other people who were more traditional or came from the political uh, background. You know, and, and I was like, well, okay, well, I started evaluating this person and that person. I thought... Trump will bail out of it. He won't stay at it, right? He's he's just doing this for a little while, and then he'll get out. Well, he didn't get out, right? Right, right. And one by one, they started falling away. 
the, the bottom line is that Trump or Joe Biden is going to be president, and that's the alternative. And Andrew McCarthy uh, doesn't just, you know, pick on Trump or, or, or talk about these things. He also talks about Biden. And obviously, we've seen a lot of things some people are just excusing away. But uh, McCarthy says he, too, is deeply flawed in ways different from Trump. This is Biden now. His embarrassing, um, you know, senescence is the word he uses, the kind of stammering and, and being lost and incoherent are problems. I mean, you can't just explain away all of the stuff that we've been seeing on TV, right? Uh, right. <laughs> but he also said that in his prime, uh, Biden was never really regarded as serious presidential material, despite several attempts. He never did that well in any of these uh, primaries. Um, he calls him mediocre. Uh, he, that's the, the best he could do. He, he brings up his his uh, finish in law school, 76th out of 85. And I think the only reason he's mentioning this is not here to be snarky so much as to say Biden has used his law school performance in one of his moments of bragging as a big thing. And, you know, the reality is the score says he was kind of an average right, to below average right. student. I mean, he entered politics in a one-party state right out of law school, and there he has stayed for half a century. And McCarthy says, plagiarizing his way through, as he did in school. Sometimes, yes, he yeah. did. If he has distinguished himself, it is mainly by being wrong on virtually every issue of great public consequence, often after vacillating from one side to the other. His accomplish accomplishments are nil. The defining attribute of his current campaign, McCarthy says, is to run away from a few sensible positions he used to hold. Otherwise, he would not have been viable to today's woke left, against which he is largely impotent. Yeah, I, I'm reminded sometimes of the, the past uh, campaigns, you know, uh, John McCain in some ways fit this bill, and also uh, Bob Dole, you know, back in uh, 96, where he was the last man standing in the party. You know, he was, you know, everybody else sort of got trimmed away, and they said, well, who else are we going to run? Who's got the pulse? And I think that's what Biden aimed for. Yeah. When yeah. you just said Bob Dole, do you know that all I can think about is canned pineapple or fruit? That's a, that's really a shame. It just popped into my head. Yes. I had to share that. We She's, need a little uh, lightheartedness here today. She needs coffee and she needs uh, some fruit for breakfast. Dole. Anyway, we're talking about <laughs> the two candidates here. And we've got a little bit more here. A slightly different take than we, we, we normally do on our show. And we'd love to know your opinions. Bob and Gloria, there is a seasoned show. Dot com. We'll be back with more in just a moment. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season, the Bob and Gloria show. He's Bob and I'm Gloria. Thanks <laughs> for being here. <laughs> And thanks for filling in because I get, you know, brain cramps once in a while. And I'm looking at a <laughs> bunch of other places here and I forget to tell people who I am. I'm Bob. I'm Sleepy Bob. And that's Donald J. Gloria over there. Uh, yeah, I open my mouth too much. But <clears throat> say what's on my mind, don't Just I? shoots her mouth off left no, and right. I do. So we're, we're talking about an article from Andrew McCarthy who's, who's written here, uh, you know, about the case for Trump. Yay, nay, whatever. A lot of people have voted, but there's still some folks out there wondering which way this is going to break. And, you know, the thing that I that struck me about the article from McCarthy was that he acknowledges a lot of the personal stuff, uh, the foibles of both of these men, but then he kind of boils it down to key issues about what you may believe in as a conservative, as a liberal. And I think that's really the thrust of, of you know, what struck me about this thing. 
So, you know, he makes the point in modern government presidencies are not just about the people themselves, but they're about administrations. They're about the cabinet, not just the chief executive. And so he puts up a series of comparisons. And the first one is... Do you want Mike Pompeo running foreign policy or, say, Susan Rice? Should we continue building up our military and preparing for China as the great geopolitical challenge of the 21st century or revert to the Obama-Biden program of hollowing out the armed forces and appeasing Beijing? One of the things I think Trump did very well recently in the last week was show the video clips of Biden praising China talking about an ascendant China and how great it was for us and so forth. So he's really trying to make a stark uh, separation. <clears throat> and frankly, the timing couldn't be better since there's so much of this uh, coronavirus thing to China and its origination and what they did with the whole thing. It just spills right over uh, into this whole argument about are they friend or foe? And I think most people at this point would say they're foe, um, but there's plenty on record with Biden saying you know, let's be friends. Right, right. He also says here in the article, should we follow the free market economic and financial predilections of Larry Kudlow or the theories of Bernie Sanders? Well, for anybody who follows economics at all, you know that those two gentlemen are very much on opposite sides of the spectrum. Larry Kudlow is a free market guy. Uh, he's He's been the one who's drived a lot of the economic policies that have come out of the Trump administration. Bernie Sanders is a self-avowed socialist. Mm. Should we continue promoting economic innovation, including the natural gas production that has significantly reduced carbon emissions? Or should we follow Biden's confident John Kerry back into the Paris Climate Accord um, while commencing implementation of the national suicide known as the Green New Deal, which was touted by Democrat Darlene Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Yes, that's quite a contrast. He also talks about here, should we continue slashing regulations, something that the Trump administration has been known for, uh, to try to unleash economic prosperity? Or should we be using folks uh, like the Biden team probably would, including Elizabeth Warren and her theories about reimagining capitalism and, and so forth, uh, you know, built around Democrats' grievance politics of a lot of things they don't like. So they, we're, we're going to work through a little bit more of this article, and then we're going to shift to something else here in the second part of this. And we've got some resources for you later on in the show, which will be very helpful if you're still undecided. We'll be right back after the news. Stay with us. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton News and Talk. WHIO. This is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, this is Rush Limbaugh. This is my home in the Miami Valley. Dayton is our number one priority. You know that. And as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. 1290, 95.7. WHIO. Welcome back to There is a Season of the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan. We've been talking today about the case for or against or maybe about Trump and that other guy, Joe Biden. Uh, but for many people, Trump is the man. Yes, and for others, Bob, he's kind of like the relative or dinner guest that could make everybody nervous. You never know what he's going to go off on or say or, you know. We've had shows like that, right, where we've talked about the family Thanksgiving or something and how, do you, how I, do you, somebody stands up from the table or starts slamming on the table and making a point about something. You know, my son once had a neurosurgeon who we were going to go to, right? No names. And my primary care physician said, now I'm just giving you heads up. 
he's a wonderful neurosurgeon. You wouldn't necessarily want him to have him over for dinner. <laughs> but that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for somebody with skill and, and who knows what he's doing. Yeah. And I, I kind of sort personally of kind of look at that. Right. And, and maybe that gives uh, Trump a bad rap. Maybe people who sit down with him around the table and so forth find him to be charming and easygoing and generous. You I just don't see that. Over. Most it of us don't see that. They just they see the kind of the, um, uh, I don't want to say pugnaciousness. or That's too strong a word. But he's ready to go. He's ready to bow. He wants yeah. to roll, right? And if you can get past that, though, you know, hey. It, it reminds me a little bit about the, uh, the the 2016 primary season. There was a lot of talk about how he seemed so coarse and bombastic. And um, somebody made the point along the line that, um, you know, it was the fact that most of the other candidates wanted to be gentlemen. They presumed that running for the office of presidency was about being a gentleman. And Donald Trump, aside from his, his own personal way that he's cut, saw that as an opportunity and said, look, these guys might be nice guys. But that's not what we need right now in Washington. And he decided to come in there and kind of blow the thing up. There's also a lot of folks who way back when used to make fun of George W. Bush because he would mangle words from time to time. And, and so I think there's an awful lot of people, and I've, I've sensed this sometimes from some of my friends in the East Coast, they look to the president to be some kind of polished oratorical genius, almost like you know, almost like a movie star, a rock star who, who can do no wrong. It's like he's the president's supposed to be some quasi-savior of the republic. And, of course, that's not the purpose of the president at all. Absolutely not. We hire him to do a job. And that job may have to be something where you have ideas, right? Yeah. But it's yeah. mostly about leading, the ability to lead. And not everybody has the same style of leadership. And with Trump... It just seems to wrinkle many folks. Right. It, it does. There's no question about it. And he, you know, he again, he is flawed. He has, you know, sometimes hired people. I, one of the things that bugs me most is when he, you know, calls somebody a name after they've left the administration. That's one of those situations, regardless of whether somebody's doing a kiss and tell book, where the presidential thing might be just to say, eh. Right. You know, That's what, yeah. He was working for me. Now he's not. Right. Right. Uh, now, you made a point here. Um something before just uh well when you were talking about um yeah um administrations when we were talking about you know what what do we want with our next um person in office you know recently it is supposed to be the biden administration right 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 well i have heard kamala end her her statements or her promises with when the kamala administration is in office. Yes. Well, should she not be saying the Biden administration? Right, and it's happened more than once. It has. Yeah. It's yeah. it's concerning. We could do a whole <laughs> show on, on Kamala Harris, who I, um, I tend to think is just an opportunist. Just And there are a lot of people in politics like that, you know, who are just looking for the next place. You know, they're continually running. Their entire life has been a candidacy, you know, for the next office, right? Right, right. Uh, we were talking today also about Andrew McCarthy's article discussing uh, the foibles of the president, but also some other uh, some contrasts he was trying to make between President, you know, uh, uh, excuse me, President Trump and the presidency of a Biden administration. Right. And he was, uh, you know, we were talking here about economic regulation, talking about the environment, and so forth. But here's one that's very uh, relevant, and it, obviously we've seen it again in the uh, the news this week with uh, the crisis going on in, in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the question he McCarthy raises is, should we back the nation's police departments by prioritizing the rule of law and restoring order on America's urban streets? 
Or should we defund police budgets and adopt kind of the progressive prosecutor model, which for a lot of folks means the non-enforcement that we've seen in a lot of democratic cities? I mean, sometimes it just, I find this stunning, right? You could have any opinion you want about anything going on. You could have an opinion about a race situation. You could have an opinion about what happened in Minneapolis. All of these things, right? Police, police questions. But if you can't maintain the rule of law, have you not abdicated your number one responsibility? You know, if you're a mayor or chief of police or, or, or commissioner or whatever, you would think that that is the number one thing. Right. Yeah. Another thing McCarthy um, brings out and asks us, should we, should the Justice Department and intelligence agencies be run by Bill Barr and Trump's team, or should we opt for a Keith Ellison-style radical who, uh, who has attorney general accompanied by the return of Obama officials who politicized intelligence reporting and weaponized the investigative process against political opponents and conservative activists? I mean, what do we want there? Right. Keith Ellison is the attorney general in Minnesota. Um, so... You know, again, these are these are fairly stark contrasts. If you really start to look down at this, and the, the whole issue of judges, right? A lot of people have taken the uh, term originalist to be some bad thing. If you study the Constitution, if you get into it and read how it was formed, who formed it, you know, what the context was at the time, uh, there's a brilliance about it. Uh, and it was not something put together, you know, over a weekend. It took many months uh, to hammer it out, and then it had to be ratified by all the states. It went through an enormous process to give us a document that was uh, unchanging, but the view of an awful lot of other people is that it should be this living document forever changed. Um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna say it's not the same as like a law of nature, right? It's not like gravity, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the constitution, but that's what the amendment process is for. It's supposed to be something that is hard to do because the bulk of what's in the constitution is the culmination of hundreds of years of thought that really finally got articulated. But it affects, you know, who gets picked. So we had Neil Gorsuch, we had uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh went through an awful hearing process. And now, of course, this past week, we've had Amy Coney Barrett. All originalists, which is going to drive a lot of people crazy, um, you know, who are more interested in court packing, you know, and, and other shenanigans. Right. So... Um, the Trump candidacy, you know, for a lot of people is the difference between having the Justice Department uh, that, that talks about civil rights laws and religious freedom and economic liberty, due process, especially on campuses, you know, colorblind college admissions and so forth, as opposed to one that hamstrings police, which is why a lot of police are retiring in big cities, right, mm. um, who, who get rid of due process protections who have spent a lot of time, the courts have been tied up, and the Justice Department have tied up in a lot of questions of sexual identity. Um, you know, is, is, we've done shows on that and so forth, or they're talking a lot about imposing quotas and wealth redistribution and so forth. Whatever couldn't be accomplished legislatively, a lot of the left has said, well, let's shove it into the courts. So what do you want, right? right. What about foreign policy? What's the, some of the differences there? Well, the Trump administration unabashedly set itself against jihadist terrorism and annihilated the ISIS caliphate, right? Would it be preferable to again have a democratic administration that foursquares use of the word jihad, regards terrorist attacks as man-caused disasters? Ridiculous. Right, yeah. purges law enforcement and intelligence agencies of training, 
in the Sharia supremacist ideology that animates anti-American violence and turns a blind eye as ISIS amasses a territory larger than Britain. Yeah. And, and Think about it. These are just a few. There's the Iran nuclear deal, which uh, is it's threatened to be undone. Well, it was undone, and now, of course, the, the Biden administration wants to reconstitute it. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other things here. Immigration, court packing, statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico, bailouts for the cities. Everybody wants bailouts, right? They want more and more federal money. But what does that mean, ultimately? It means you and me. Right. Everybody is eventually going to pay for it down the road. Uh, rising taxes, energy policy. Uh, I think probably the dumbest move of the whole uh, candidacy or the whole campaign for Biden was the remarks he's made about Pennsylvania. Right. 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 You're either in or you're out. Right. 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 Uh, don't try to say that you're both. That's not helping anything. Right. Uh, what are some other ones? Medicare for all, the Green New Deal, the ending of school choice. And then there's the holy grail of the $15 minimum wage. Yes, which we've, we've mentioned here before. Um, I heard Rush Limbaugh do a great thing. Nobody's brought this up this time around. Rush Limbaugh does a riff on the whole $15 minimum wage. It has nothing to do with a living wage and all of this kind no. of stuff. He says it is the floor by which the unions operate. If an entry-level person can make $15, well, then guess what? I was making 18 Well, I should now be making 21 Right. Mm. If you make the minimum wage eighteen dollars an hour, well, I should be making twenty five, and it never stops. Then it just keeps pushing the wages higher and higher. Right. So it's not really connected to what somebody needs to live in an area. Certainly, it's more beneficial if you're an expensive part of the country. But to nationalize something like that disregards what labor is really worth in a, in a local community. There's also been talk of what else? Forced urbanization of sub suburbs. Slavery, slavery reparations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it, it goes on and on. Stuff. And so, you know, if you don't want to support President Trump, you know, Andrew McCarthy you know, gets it. He wouldn't blame you for standing on your principles. Uh, he does have a knack for sometimes saying the wrong things or the irritating thing. Uh, there's a lot of debate about the coronavirus, whether he did enough and so forth, but hanging 200 plus thousand deaths around his neck is ridiculous. Right. Really. I, I mean, mean, you have to look at, well, what would have been done differently by any other administration? Yeah. And, I and, mean, it is a novel virus and it came at us and... And most of what's, didn't what know Biden has mentioned on the stump is stuff that <laughs> Trump's done. So, right. you know, he, he just keeps wanting to do it. If it rained for 40 days and 40 they blame that on the presidency, right? Right. Uh, so... You know, is that fair? Now, uh, we don't have much time here in, in this segment, but one of the things that we were going to touch on real briefly is the, the context of these elections. We talked about it early, um, about the threats people seem to be making about whether it's going to be, um, you know, a violent situation or whether we're going to have unrest or all kinds of voting craziness. And we'll touch on that when we come back in our last segment. So stay with us, please. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. WHIO, Dayton, WHIO FM, Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station. Powered by Back to Business IT. Take care of your business. We'll take care of your IT. 